If you're a true believer in the power of magic, your time has come. It's the hour for magic and the law of attraction with Madame Pamita. Episode 38. everyone. I'm your host, Madam Pamita, and you're listening once again to Magic and the Law of Attraction, the podcast where you'll learn how to transform your life in magical ways to make it the very best that it can be. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 38 of Magic and the Law of Attraction, how to use runes in spells. Do you know about the runes? I think most of us, if you're involved in magic in any way, shape, or form, probably, you know a little bit about the runes or you're familiar with them. You might have even have worked with them. We think of them really as a divination tool, just like the tarot. You draw a stone or a piece of wood out of a bag at random and then interpret the meaning of that rune in light of your question. That is what we're going to be talking about today, not the divination aspect of it, which you might be familiar with, but how you can use runes in your magic spells. This is going to be an amazing, phenomenal, beautiful way to start looking at the runes. You don't have to memorize anything. You don't have to have a long, deep relationship with the runes, although you can have a long, deep relationship. doesn't preclude that from happening. But This is a way to work with the runes, even if you aren't using them as a divination tool yet. So before we get to that, I have a couple of announcements. The first big announcement is that on November 27th, I'm going to be dropping a brand new spell kit and workshop for 2022. Not just a new spell kit and workshop, a brand new series of spell kits and workshop for 2022. I'm going to not only be offering the new moon candle spell kits. Yes, those will be continuing on in 2022. And that means the workshop, the spell services, the spell kits and all of it. But we're dropping something entirely new, a full moon spell kit or the full moon spell kit and workshop. Won't be doing full moon services, but we will be doing workshops and spell kits. Now, these are not going to be candle spells. These are going to be things other than candle spells that we're going to be working on the full moon, tapping into the real power of that beautiful full moon and all of its energy and doing things that can supplement our candle spells. So these are going to be entirely different kinds of magic. We do our candle spells on the new moon and we do other kinds of spells on the full moon. It's going to be so much fun. So we're going to be giving an announcement about all of those coming up on the 27th and ordering will be opening on the 27th as well. Now, like the new moon workshops, these are going to only be available for one week out of the year. You order it, it gets shipped to you and you either have full instructions or you have the full instructions and you take a workshop with me. And if you've ever been to those workshops that we have for the new moon, they are so much fun. You not only get to see face-to-face, everybody gets together, we talk, we laugh, we have a good time, we share tips and tricks. You also get access to the new moon and full moon board, bulletin board. I don't even know what to call it. The, the board where you can share your spell work. You can talk about your spell work with other people that have been in the workshop with you. And once you've done it once, you have full access to it forever. So you can skip a month, but still be on that board. 
and being able to participate and then jump back in again whenever it works for you or whenever there's a spell that comes up that works for you. So it's going to be phenomenal. And this is a real great way to enhance and learn more magic right beside me. These are going to be so much fun. So just stay tuned. On November 27th, we'll be dropping the information about that. The sales will open up and you'll be able to see all the full moon spells that are going to be coming up for 2022. So just stay tuned. Watch my feed. Look at your emails. Look at my Instagram. It'll be every place. So look for those on the 27th. So let's jump into today's topic and talk about rune magic. So I will start this episode out by saying that I am by no means an expert on the runes, but I do love them and I do love working with them. I love them so much that I have two tattoos, one on each wrist of two different runes. Can you see those? Um, I'm working on, so people that are watching the video can see that. Um, these are Wunyo and Dagaz. Those are the two runes that I have on my wrist. Wunyo means joy and Dagaz means breakthrough and awakening. So these are the things I want to bring into my environment. I want to bring into my practice, happiness and awakening and breakthroughs. Who wouldn't want that? I sure do. So these are the things that you can do with runes. Not only you can use them for divination, but you can use them for other things. And we're going to be talking about those. So let's look at a little bit of the history of the runes. So first of all, runes date back to about 100 ACE. That's the first evidence of runes that we see um, in our historical archaeological findings. Germanic people, including Norse Vikings, developed this written alphabet. Now, you may have heard the terms Elder Futhark or Younger Futhark. So the alphabet of the runes is known as a Futhark, which is the first six letters of the rune alphabet. Just like our alphabet is Alpha, Beta, Alphabet, A and B, the Futhark is the name of the alphabet. And it's named for those first six letters of the, of the Norse writing system. The Elder Futhark, which they know very little about actually because it's so old, it wasn't a lot of documentation, there isn't a lot to know, but they do have some information about some of these characters. The Elder Futhark has 24 characters and was predominantly used from about 100 ACE to 700 ACE. These Elder Futhark are what we see oftentimes in rune sets. They'll have 24 runes, sometimes 25 because they have a blank one. And these will be the things that are used in divination sets. The Younger Futhark has only 16 characters. So they condensed the alphabet down to 16 characters where they could write whatever they wanted with those 16 letters. And this was used from around 700 ACE up until the Middle Ages, 1200 ACE. Now, there is also another Futhork, it's called the Anglo-Saxon Futhork, which has 33 characters in it. And that was used mostly in England by the Angles, the Saxons, the Anglo-Saxons, and that has 33. But when we think about rune divination sets or what most people think of as the runes, it's usually the elder Futhark that they're talking about, that 24-character alphabet. Now, while we might think of the runes as being an amazing divination tool, which they are, they were also a usable alphabet. Something to think about, really. You know, tarot, which is a great, amazing divination tool, not beyond a great divination tool, an amazing divination tool, 
isn't an alphabet. We don't really use tarot in many other ways. We might use it for meditation or something else, but it doesn't have that quality of being a written alphabet. The runes, we see them all over these archaeological finds that we find around England, up in the Scandinavian countries, and all over. These runes were carved on stones, oftentimes memorial stones for um, people that had passed on. We see them um, on bone, on antler, on wood, and even on metal. So we can find these, the evidence of these letters all over the place, and they are quite common. But they are more than just an alphabet where we can memorialize somebody. It's more than just like the Roman alphabet where we see, you know, Claudius was here or whatever, you know, in ancient times. These, each of these letters had very specific and special magical meaning. To understand that magical meaning, it's useful to understand the legends that the Norse people had about the runes. So I'm going to tell you the legend of the runes, how the runes, the mythology of how the runes were discovered. That in and of itself is going to show you how powerful people considered and still consider these amazing magical tools. So this is the story of Odin and the runes. So if you know a little bit about Odin, he's the Norse god. He's the leader of all of the gods, the Aesir, we would call those gods, that group of gods and goddesses, and he was their leader. Now, one of his great qualities was that he was always seeking to have more wisdom, always wanted to have more knowledge. He understood very deeply that knowledge is power. And so he was constantly seeking wisdom and knowledge and had lots of adventures in his stories where he's trying to find out something or trying to discover something or gain a magical skill or magical knowledge. So he was willing to really sacrifice. And in fact, one of the attributes of Odin was that he had one eye. One eye was plucked out and he had one eye. And that one eye that was plucked out was in exchange for a piece of wisdom. So we can get very deeply into understanding that he was really willing to sacrifice everything to gain magical wisdom and knowledge. The other thing that you have to know about Norse cosmology is the idea of the world tree. The world tree in Norse cosmology is named Yggdrasil. So Yggdrasil was this giant tree that held up all the worlds. Now we could go into a whole topic about that, but understanding that there was this giant tree and at the base of the tree was a well, the well of Erd. And this well was so deep. It just went down so, so deep, but it's where the tree got its water and, and got its nourishment so that it can grow and sprout and protect these worlds. Now, around the well of Erd lived the Norns. The Norns were three very mysterious and very powerful women who controlled fate. Not just the fate of the animals and the people, but the fate of the Aesir, the gods themselves. They controlled that fate. So when we think about the Norns, the Norns were really the most powerful beings in this whole cosmology because they controlled everything. Now, one of the ways that they would control fate is by carving runes into Yggdrasil's trunk. They would carve the runes into the trunk and then the energy of those runes would go out to wherever they needed to go in that magical tree to the upper world, the middle world, or the lower world. They could control everything with these runes, mystical shapes. But 
The shapes were a mystery to everyone. They didn't understand them. They couldn't decipher them. They didn't know what the Norns were doing. And of course, Odin was curious. He watched the Norns and he envied the power that they had to affect the fate of everyone, including the gods and goddesses. So he really came to the place with his will, his strong will of wanting to know and learn what the meaning of the runes were. So to get that knowledge, he had to hang himself by the foot to get those insights and those abilities that the Norns had. He had to hang himself by his foot, pierce himself with his spear, and hang from the tree Yggdrasil and look into the well of Erd and look into the waters below. Now, when he did this act, we could see this as being a very shamanic act. Now, shamanism obviously is north in Siberia, but we use this to understand this act of going between the worlds of the living and the dead. And for nine days, Odin hung by his foot between the world of the living and the dead. He wasn't quite dead yet, but he certainly wasn't alive. He was in that state state of depletion that was hovering there. And he told the other gods, the other Aesir, he told them, don't help me, don't try to rescue me, don't try to save me. I must go through this extreme trial to be able to understand the runes. And that is my deepest desire is to have this knowledge. So as he stared downward for days and days and days, he called to the runes, he invited them in, and he teetered in that real liminal state between life and death. Reimagine, it's like a really out there experience. You know, if you've ever been in, hopefully you've never been yet in that state, you know, it's like you're not one foot in the world of spirit and one foot in the world of the living. It is an intense place to be. So for nine days and nights, he did this. And on the ninth night, at last, he saw the runes in the depths of the water. Because he had made the sacrifice, the runes showed themselves to him. And they revealed not only the form of the runes, but also the secrets that they held. He understood them. He could use them and work with them. Now, if you've ever looked at the tarot deck and you've seen the hanged man card, you've seen the story depicted in that card. We see a guy, he's got a beautiful radiant halo around his head, but he's hanging upside down by his foot. That is reminiscent of the story of Odin. So when Odin learned these runes and he understood them, he was able to learn chants that enabled him to heal wounds, to bind his enemies and to render their weapons worthless. He was able to free himself from constraints, to put out fires, to expose and banish practitioners of malevolent magic, to protect his friends in battle, to wake the dead and bring them back to life, and to win and keep a lover. So the runes, as we associate so strongly with Odin, are not just about Odin, but they are about the Norns, these mysterious, powerful women who held this information and allowed Odin to uncover it if he were willing to give a sacrifice. Now, these are the things that can, we can learn as well. And these are the mysteries that the runes can show us when we access their power. The runes are the world of the Norns, and we can be Odin, make that sacrifice to learn the runes and deeply connect to their 
energy and their power and work with them in our magic. So there's lots of ways that you can work with the runes and work with them for your magic. The easiest and simple way to work with them is to get a set of the Elder Futhark and work with it. You can learn about them, look them up in the little booklet, or get a book about the runes and learn what they mean, and carry one that or two that are ones that you want to empower yourself with. Or you can place them on an altar, or you can connect with them deeply, hold them in your hands. I mean, you can do a lot of things just with those rune, you know, stones or rune, wooden runes. But you can also create bind runes, what are called bind runes. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. I'm going to tell you what bind runes are and how to make them and how to use them for your magic. But even after this episode is over, you might have questions about working with the runes in your magic. And I want to tell you a way that you can bring those questions to me and meet with me for free and ask me those questions about the runes or about anything magical and mystical, spells, law of attraction, spirituality, witchcraft, Slavic folk magic, my super passion, spirits, divination, you name it, anything mystical and magical. Each Sunday, I host a live podcast recording. And for the extra bonus content, afterwards, we have a live Q&A after the podcast. It's free to join me here, just like it's free to listen to the podcast. All you have to do is be a member of the Spell Squad. And to do that, all you have to do is sign up at spellsquad.com. These meetings, these live Q&A, take place every Sunday, except for the first Sunday of the month when I hold a paid workshop. And they're held at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern. If you'd like to see past episodes, you can check them out on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash madampamita, or you can listen to the podcast by going to magicandthelawofattraction.com or finding it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcatcher is. So go ahead over to spellsquad.com and sign up today so you can join the Spell Squad and you'll get a ton of free goodies and you'll be able to join me for a cup of tea and download some deep spiritual knowledge. It's always fun in the Spell Squad Clubhouse and I'd love to see you there. So let's go back and talk about bind runes. So bind runes are simply two or more runes bound together, often used for magical purposes. Their use as magical amulets, continued later in Iceland and began sometime around the 1600s. So we began to see bind runes in the 1600s in Iceland. So you can use bind runes magically by writing them on paper, inscribing them in candles, carving them into wood or stone. There's so many ways that you can create and make these bind runes that are going to bring the essence of the runes to your magic. So let's talk about the way that you can put bind runes together. The first way is to overlay them one on top of the other, just like you're looking at two clear sheets of plastic and you put them over one another and then together they make a new shape, right? So in spells, we use these overlaid bind runes to manifest a reality. The bare tooth logo I mean, sorry, the bear tooth logo, the, the blue tooth logo is actually a stacked bind room. The reason I said bear is because it's bercano, bercano or bercana, which is the B shaped of the blue tooth logo. So I wanted to say bear. And 
That B shape represents nurturing, protection, support, and creation. The other rune that we see in there is Gevo, which looks like an X and means gift. So the X and the B are stacked one on top of the other and blended together to make that Bluetooth logo, which I'm going to now call the, the, bear, the bear tooth logo. <laughs> All right, that's one way that we can create a bind room. There's another way that we can create a bind rune, which is to stack them on one on top of the other on a stick, almost like stacking vegetables on a shish, shish kebab, right? You know, you have the stick and then you put one on top of the other. And if you hold up that shish kebab, you see all the different vegetables, right? So you can stack a series of runic letters in a specific order along a single access, like stacking those letters, like putting them on the shish kebab skewer, right? That's called a same stave rune. Same stave rune. Stave is word for staff. So same stave runes are like arrows or staffs or, you know, spears, right? We use them to attack a problem. We're going to conquer something. We want to be victorious over something. That's when you use a same stave rune. Now, there's another kind of rune, and we often see this in jewelry. We'll see a bind rune that's a radial rune. Now, these are like, kind of like a little bit like the stave runes, but they're spokes on a wheel. So we'll have lots of staves sticking out like spokes on a wheel, and each of those might have a rune on the end of it or the rune in the middle. You know, we can use that. There's a common center point like the spokes of a wheel. Now, these radial runes are used in often in defense spells or protection spells or amulets. And when we create these amulets or talismans, these, these designs that are like circular are beautiful and amazing. And you see them often in jewelry and things like that. So if you want to make a bind rune, here are the steps to do it. The first thing to do is to think of your magical goal. What's your magical goal? What would you like to work on? And what would you like this bind rune to work on? Once you are clear about your magical goal, then find the rune or runes that best fit your purpose. You might, for example, repeat a rune around the radial rune over and over again, or you might stack the rune up, you know, on that stave bind rune, you might stack it up, but pick the ones that work. Now, you could choose two, three, four runes. It doesn't matter, but you don't need to choose the whole futhark. That would be too much. You want to choose a, just some, the right size amount, two, three, four, something like that. Then, once you get those runes, start playing around with your design. If you want to manifest something, think of that rune that's an overlay rune. If you want protection, think of a radial rune that looks like the spokes of a wheel. And if you want to attack a problem and conquer a problem, then use that stave rune system, bind rune system. Once you've worked out your design on scratch paper and your notebook, then you can choose your material to work on with this room. You could write it on paper and carry that slip of paper with you. That's probably the easiest way to work with it. But you could also work with wood or you could work with stone or you could even carve it into a side of a beeswax candle. You know, if you have a beeswax candle from Parlor of Wonders, Lots of them, like the pillar candles, have lots of space for you to write a bind rune on, so you could do it there. You could even get a tattoo of your bind rune. So you don't have to make anything to use the magic of the runes. You could even take this bind rune 
and you could trace it in the air, right? You could make it and conceive of it and visualize it. There's so many things that you can do. And if you want to be simple and you don't want to do a bind rune at all, you can just select the runes out of a rune set and carry those with you, as I mentioned before, or put them on the altar or hold them in your hands and so on. Now, buying a rune set is a great way to begin to work with the runes. We have some beautiful rune sets made out of gemstones at the Parlor of Wonders, and you can check those out by looking under magical tools or typing runes in the um, search bar, and it will show up. those will show up for you. We have Tiger's Eye, we've got Rose Quartz, we've got all kinds of beautiful, beautiful gemstone rune sets if you want to start working with those. So, and we also have some amazing books about the runes by some amazing authors. So you want to check those out as well. So think about working, if you feel drawn to working with the runes, but you haven't learned them as a divination tool, start thinking about working with them as a magical tool, getting in touch with them, getting in touch with their energy and inviting it into your life. It is really powerful, beautiful, and old, old magic that is so lovely. So if that about does it for our episode on runes and working with the runes and our magic. So if you'd like to get more information about all kinds of magic and spells, check out my blog over at parlorofwonders.com. You can do that by just going to parlorofwonders.com, going to learn, and then go to blog where you'll find all kinds of articles teaching you about magic, tarot, witchcraft, law of attraction, spiritualism, all those mystical and magical goodies. And don't forget, if you have questions about all the that good magical and mystical stuff, then you'll want to join me live over Zoom at the Live Magic Q&A Tea Party every Sunday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern. Just go to spellsquad.com and get the secret code and you can come on in. And if Here's a secret. If you do that, you will also get a free copy of my gorgeously illustrated ebook, Seven Secrets to Supercharge Your Spell Work. Just go to spellsquad.com and get your free copy today. I want to say a huge thank you to all the Spell Squad members out there who have subscribed to and shared this podcast with your friends. And big, big love to the fabulous folks who have left reviews on iTunes. Those reviews really help get the word out into the wider world about the podcast, and I appreciate you taking the time to do them. I want to say thank you to Jill Navarre for production and engineering on this podcast. I want to say thank you to Manfred Hofer for announcing, and I want to say thank you to you for joining me, whether you're joining me live in the Sunday's live Q&A or you're listening to this on the podcast. I am thanking you for being here. And I'm looking forward to next week when we'll be answering the question, what kind of spells use nails. So we're going to be talking about nails and spells and magic. So until next time, this is Madame Pamita saying, keep making your life the most magical adventure ever. 